All right, well, here we are. You know what show this is. It's it's the Jason Bradley show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, so we're here today. Jeff Cawthon, Jason Bradley, Jared Fox, and Jay Beal, correct? That's right. What's going All on, right. guys? So we got Jay on here today because, well, one, he's a hot topic. Everybody, everybody knows Jay now. Because fifth at nationals, correct? That's right. Right. And Jason thinks he's hot shit. <laughs> and your guys' show got hate mail because of me, so. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exa- that, yeah, that. A two-star rating. Darn. They, yeah. they, they deleted it and went back and did a five-star, but said the same thing. Yeah. Did which they was really? cool. Yeah, which is cool of them. Yeah, I don't care cool. what they said. I care about the stars. That's right. That's right. But the main point is that Jay Jay's, has, Jay's causing shit for us. Yeah, he's causing shit because he can perform and not shoot. So that's what we got to dig into today. We're going to find out why he can do that. That's right. I think Travis Travis Tomasi said it all in the in a couple episodes ago that you guys did with him. So people can go listen to that and then cool dig it out. But no, we'll I'm, it'd be awesome. We'll we'll talk about it. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so Jason says I'm running this show. We don't have a plan for this, but... No. Well, I mean, basically, right. it's we're going to do the uh, who's your daddy and what does he do. Uh, right, for you younger yeah. people, you don't get that reference, but... Yeah, so... so every Jay, listener does not get that reference. Can you can you bring it into, like, 1985 and on? Dude, that was after 1985, I think. Kindergarten Cop? Best movie ever? Second best, maybe? I don't know. It's pretty good. Okay. Anyways, this is difficult, man. I don't. I don't get it. You don't get it. how? Well, we don't have to go into that. But Jay, you're young. You wouldn't get it. So, anyways, Jay, where do you live at? Tell us about yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, I live in Maine. Um, all Maine. the way. Why, ah, man? I, I guess I was born here, so I gotta gotta stay here. It's. Um, I'm pretty far into the state, so it's like a five hour drive to even get out of Maine. Um, and like two hours in the airport, uh, it's, we're, we're, we're a ways up here. Um, I work on a farm up here and, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I, I work on a farm and, and building a house right now for my wife and myself and, and our kid trying to, trying to dry fire at the same time and find primers wherever they are, but who, who cares, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it, it's normal stuff. Everybody's doing it. Right. So, how old is your kid? He is almost two years old. All right, awesome. He's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, dude, they're they're really fun at that age. Um, is living in Maine the reason that you don't shoot as much? I think the reason I don't shoot as much is is just financial, and it's always been that way. It's not like I, um. I think maybe if I knew stuff was going to be happening, I'd be a little bit more set for, for things. But I mean, I just, I haven't been doing USPSA for very long. Um, my brother and I just got a, a Dylan this year in the spring, um, or last year, I guess. Uh, and so it wasn't like I knew that I should be buying, buying components beforehand and all that stuff. And so we're just getting set up and, and really just getting started. And so, for a, for a long time, I was using factory ammo, and then uh, 
only recently started loading stuff. And so it's just it's just a budget situation. And I really like dry firing and I kinda I kinda like that more than I than I do like shooting matches or anything. You know, I mean I I enjoy the process of of training. And live fire has always been just kind of a, a test on on pure shooting stuff. So I'll go out and, you know, like make sure the gun zeroed and make sure I can, um, make sure I can call shots, make sure I can see what's happening. I'm not spending a lot of time like with big stages or, or high round count stuff. Um, it's just little, little things in, in my fire. Hmm. That's awesome. So, you know, uh, obviously the, per- uh, someone mentioned that you didn't shoot a lot. Roughly how many rounds did you shoot last year? Uh, last year, um, I was talking to Jason about this a little bit. I went back through, I, I track all my sessions in live fire and dry fire. Um, and it was for the entire year in training was 2,800 rounds. And in the, the number is low, but as far as frequency, it's really high. Um, so when I know there's a match coming up that, that I want to perform my best at, um, I'm going to, I'm going to live fire every day leading up to that pretty much every day for for a couple months so could you go into that a little bit more because uh and tell me tell them what tell them what you told me when we were talking about that so you would you would practice every day but the round count had to significantly be uh or was significantly less than than what would normal normal people or normal other shooters would do yeah and i don't i mean i'm not saying i don't think this is ideal like what i'm doing isn't ideal if i had more ammo um I would absolutely shoot more. Uh, I think kind of being limited a little bit helps with discipline when you, when you go out. And so I'll, I'll assign exactly what I'm going to do ahead of time. Um, like an example is, is setting up a stage. And so I can, I can set up a mini stage that's like, you know, eight rounds or something and leave it set up. Um, and I can practice on that stage for a week. Um, and I can have like maybe even the same thing set up in dry fire that I can, that I can also practice on. Um, and so I'll go out and shoot that stage once or twice. Maybe I'll record times and, and, and take video and then address that back in, in dry fire. And maybe I'll go out, like I've gone out before and not even fired around. Like maybe I, I did a dry run on the stage and was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot this today. Um, or maybe I came back later that day and shot it because something wasn't right that I I needed to fix before I go and and shoot on it. Um, and I know a lot of people now are, are, are talking about like mixing dry and live fire together where you're like dry firing some targets, live firing other targets in the same sequence. Um, and that's, that's stuff that, that definitely always been doing for a long time where you're just getting sight pictures on certain targets and other targets you're, you're actually firing rounds. Hmm. So you mentioned there that, uh, leading up to a match you care about that you'll shoot basically every day. So what, what do your, what does your practices look like? Say two weeks, one week out from nationals or an area match you're shooting. That's just, um, and this is stuff you guys have talked about and so many other people have talked about. Um, but, that's just setting up. I'm, I'm doing something different every time. Um, so maybe I'm going out with my brother and we're, we're making up a little scenario and we're going to shoot it once. Um, and we're each going to shoot it 
one time and then the other person's going to make up a different scenario and we're going to shoot it once. So it's, it's match, it's match training where I get one shot to do, to do something. And then I'm, so I'm not even looking at the time necessarily for it and just in shooting it once. So that's, that's what it is like a week out. That's what I'm doing. Um, as well as like making sure zero is, is set, um, making sure my ammo is working, obviously. And that's, that's really every practice session where like, eh, it's not every single time, but I'll, I'll check zero all really regularly, um, just to confirm it's good. But yeah, leading up to a match, it's, it's changing something. Everything's different every single run, um, whether it's a start position or, or moving targets around or just the, the order. But what you're making yourself do is, uh, because you're so, uh, you're going out there and you're already planned out what you're doing and you already have the round count, uh, and it may be 15 rounds, like you were telling me earlier. Um, that basically means if you set something up, it's, a uh, three targets or whatever you run it and then you'll change something and do it that. And then you run it once and then you're done. That makes you, done. That, that puts you on the spot to deliver on the first run each time. Yeah. Which I think probably is a lot more helpful than some people listening would realize because I was talking to Joel about this the other day. A lot of times people go out there and they'll set up, let's just say the build drill. They'll run it eight times and they'll do it good twice. And then they'll be like, oh, I, I did the drill. I did the drill good. And you're like, no, you didn't. You didn't really do it good twice. Um, I mean, you didn't really do it good. You did it okay. You had a good result twice out of eight times. And that's actually not what you need to be doing it. Uh, doing. You need to be doing it the, the first time. time. Is what really counts. So you're kind of putting yourself that pressure on yourself and putting yourself in that situation. So when then you go to a match, you've been doing that. Leading up also like three or four days in advance, I'll bump the count up. So I, I might shoot 40, 50 rounds, um, but I'll go out with like two magazines that I've loaded ahead of time. They're loaded. I go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel it um, just as much as I would uh, at, at a match. I, I really feel it. And if I turn a camera on, even if it's just for my own stuff, I, I feel it more. It, is that because you know that uh, if you bomb on that, uh, you got to go home and spend the next several hours of that day knowing you didn't do it well? Yeah. Yeah. I better get it right. Yeah. You got to get it right or you wasted the, that ammo. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that idea. Well, here, here's my thoughts when you talk about it is what makes it sound interesting is you're clearly you dry fire a lot, but even just shooting that little bit of round count is you don't have, instead of, say, dry fire for a week and then go out and shoot, you know, 200 rounds on Saturday, you know, you're getting a little bit of rounds every day. So you know if you're slipping up on your grip, you're also putting the pressure on there. I mean, it, it's definitely a very interesting way to utilize a more conservative approach on your ammo, which I have to imagine listeners will probably be interested in this year because... I think everyone's probably going to be a little more limited on ammo throughout the year. I, I think so. <laughs> oh yeah. So I've got another question, Jay. Uh, do you got your range situation? Um, tell us about that. Is that a range that you got to drive 30 minutes to? Is it one you walk out the backyard? It's, it's one that's, that's pretty much walk out the backyard. Um, okay. I can step out, step out the door in chrono. So I, I kind of got that from what you were saying that, you can set something up and leave it. And then, so if you had to drive an hour, even 30 minutes to the range, I, I would be willing, uh, or I would think that your approach might be a little bit different. 
It for sure would be. Even if it, even if it was like 15, 20 minutes where I had yeah. to go, I mean, and I couldn't leave something set up, I would be live firing at a higher quantity less frequently. And so my, my situation is definitely unique with, with this. That's super interesting that um, your training and your training style and everything is it's adapted to like your situation, right? So everyone normally is like, I need to shoot 20,000 a year or 15 or 10, whatever it is. I need to shoot this many a year and I need to dry fire this much. And then they try to make their, their situation fit their training plan, right? So yours is almost the opposite. It's like you have, I mean, obviously you love dry fire, so you do that regardless. But it, it, I don't know, it almost all comes together. Like you, you have this ability to, to walk out the door and shoot basically. And at the same time, you don't, you're like the, you're like almost like Jeremy, but the opposite because not an asshole. But also, <laughs> he doesn't shoot an antique either. He shoots a modern gun. Oh, he. Oh my. But, but also, you don't. You know, you don't shoot forty, fifty thousand a year, or whatever Jeremy does. But he can walk out the door and shoot, basically. Um, and he's so an asshole. <laughs> well, so Jeff, what is your? You don't shoot a ton either, necessarily. Right. So yeah. Do you, how close is a range for you? So from my house, my range is about 20 minutes and from work, it's probably 15 minutes, which is, I'm usually going there from work. That's when I have time. I go after work. Also, I let the, the time change dictates my training season because if the days are too short, I don't have time to go practice after work. Yeah. So that's, that's one way my environmental and distance to the range and everything is factored into my my training plan pretty much but yours is very interesting that you you have the ability to to shoot a crazy amount like jeremy but you kind of flip the switch it's like you go out and shoot like go out and shoot one mag worth and go home yeah and that's not easy sometimes like at first when i first started doing it i couldn't bring other ammo with me because i would shoot it so i couldn't have like a box of ammo or stuff in the vehicle with me because then i would shoot it I can now. <laughs> I have enough discipline to be like, all right, I got my mag, my box of ammo in the truck. Like, if I need to address something later, I'll, I'll, I'll hit it the next day. But that, yeah. that's not easy. It's not easy to do. And I, I don't want this to sound like I don't put in effort with the whole thing. Like, yeah, because because round count, you can shoot a lot, and there are people who shoot a, a ton. And they're still, they're still kind of struggling with it. Yeah. And so I think I put a, I put a ton of effort in not, <laughs> not talking to anybody specifically. I'm talking about people who are like in C class, <laughs> in C class, like shot 50,000 rounds and, and like didn't get any better. Like 50,000 rounds a year. Couldn't, couldn't get any better. Um, and this is somebody yeah. who's not not dry firing and they're just they're just going to the range and shooting because they're they're expending yeah. ammunition and so i'm yeah. putting i i have to rely a lot on on like the mental the mental side of it and i think the simplest form of that is to look at my situation as that i have an advantage be, because of my situation 
I'm not at a disadvantage. I have an opportunity to to spend time working on different aspects of the game. And and I know that that's helped me a, a lot. And and that carries over with everything, you know. Any anything that comes up that's immediately presented as something that's negative gets a gets a quick switch and and as as you get better at it and keep working on it, that that negative that comes in automatically gets switched to a positive. And and it's not something you could just do right away, but you train it and there there are mental tools you can use to, to get better at that. Um, and so I spend a lot of time with that. Jay, where do you live at in Maine? Um, it's a, it's a small town. Uh, it's like Machias area. Okay. Is that in the, um, um, Northwest corner, Northeast? It's, it's like way East, okay. almost as far East as you can go. Like the Canadian gotcha. border is right there. Yeah. So, the reason why I ask you that um, is I, I've never been to Maine. Um, it, do where you live is it an hour drive into anywhere near town where you got to go get groceries or something like that? Is it one of them situations? Yeah, it's like thirty thirty minutes into town, or maybe a little bit less. So that's not terribly bad. Uh, okay, but well, the re- reason why I was asking that question is because, like, um, you know, sometimes when you you live like that, you're like, okay, we got to go in, we got to get supplies, and I'm you know not that you live in the brush country in Alaska, but. <laughs> We got to go in and get some stuff, so we got to make a list, and we don't want to have to forget home and have forgotten something and have to turn around. So, you know, we're just going to make this work for us. And it seems like that mentality is kind of what you have with your practice. You're like, I'm going to work on this, so I'm going to practice this. Uh, I'm going to visualize this. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to set this up, and then I'm going to go out and do it. I'll probably practice it a couple times until I think I'm ready to run it in live fire. I'll run it in live fire. I'll assess it, and then I'll be like, okay. Anything I need to correct, I'll I'll be thinking about for the next day. I'll work on that in dry fire, and then I'll go out and try to make those corrections in my one run or do oh, yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I think most people that get to a high level have to do this, but you are having to do this at a greater, uh, more. You're having to do it like just more. You have to make the time you spend practicing work for you. You have to make it efficient and, and, and as, as, as efficient as you can. You have to just do everything you can to not waste any of that. And it seems like that's what you're doing. And so you know that. So you're just you're just that much more careful to not waste anything. Whereas like Jared and I may go out and we may just be stupid for 20 minutes and just pop rounds off at a bird or I mean, not that we shoot birds, but I mean, you know, I, I'm just trying, I mean, something, a rock, I mean, just something stupid. Whereas like, you're like, you guys have wasted more ammo than I shoot in a week, you know, in 20 minutes. And so, I mean, it definitely doesn't mean that I haven't done that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't mean also that like, I'll go out and, and try, uh, like force, like, I won't care about the target sometimes and I'll force something to happen just time-wise and to, to see what it feels like. And, and it doesn't mean that it always works out either. You know, some, you make mistakes and, and you realize that that wasn't helpful. That, that was kind of, that was a waste of ammo. So that happens. Yeah. But it's a, it's like you said, I mean, like you learn, you learn something from it. So like, even if you're going out and, and kind of just shooting to shoot, you're still going to learn something. Some people. Man, I really, uh, I liked what you said about people mistaking, uh, like your, your method of not shooting as much for not putting in the effort. Um, I get that sometimes too, just shooting less. People think you don't put as much effort in, right? Yeah. Um, or they think you have like, or you were like born with it, which we can talk about that later at the end. 
that, oh, yeah, that's, always, that's always the end of the thing. But I just want to speak on Jeff real quick. Jeff, we say hey. that about you because we hate you. Right. Gotcha. I mean, that's understandable. Um, but what's interesting is I was talking to a friend who doesn't shoot at all um, the other day. I was at his house and I just finished shooting a match and I went over to their house and he was like, hey, can I see your guns? He, I mean, he knew I shoot, shot a lot. So I was like, yeah, let's check them out. So I was showing him my my competition guns and everything. And um, somehow we got on the topic of like how much uh, how much effort you put in or how much you practice. I think that's what he asked me. He asked me how much I practice. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. It's like probably 12,000, 12 to 15,000 rounds a year right now. And he was, his uh, his response to that was, that's interesting that, that you perceive uh, like the amount of practice by the number of rounds you shoot. He's like, I, ca- I can't think of another sport where they do something like that. And I was like, dang, that's actually a really good point. Like that, <laughs> that might actually mean nothing. Very good point. That's really interesting. I mean, it seems like that that's been a pretty I mean, like whenever you you hear people talking about this, yeah, that's like the currency. It's like, well, how much you shoot? I mean, oh, Eric Rafael, he shoots this much. Yeah. Um, and he'll shoot this much in a practice session. Um and and there's no doubt that that's a factor. Um it it helps to to be really, really in tune with in tune with the gun from firing live rounds but it's funny that that's like what i guess the standard for other things is like hours right yeah right yeah yeah six hours a week or well six hours a day yeah you don't ask somebody that plays basketball how much do you practice and they're like ah 300 free throws a day right (laughs) yeah that's what i was thinking exactly yeah yeah that that was kind of that was kind of an eye-opening comment for me i was like dang that that's such. That's so right. Hmm. So Jay, with uh, where you're at in Maine, I'll take it. There's probably not a lot of like local matches and stuff near you. We kind of started up a club. Um, it's like 45 minutes an hour away, um, but that's the closest one. Um, and then the next one from there is a couple hours. And then uh, with the uh, being where you're at, is the shooting season pretty short for you as well with weather? it's pretty short we got we've got something new kind of new this year we're doing in an indoor match um every month uh so that's pretty cool um and so i'll shoot that uh but yeah the season's pretty short it's pretty you know we don't get out really it's not nice till may sometimes um and then then we're cut off in like november or maybe even earlier sometimes october is the last one yeah hmm so you're not fatigued after you shoot a big match, are you? Because you've been practicing. You'll practice for hour, an hour or two at a time, or three hours. Oh yeah. Or, so it's just you're just yeah. So it's it's not like you go out and shoot a hundred and fifty round match in one day, and you're like, oh man, I'm worn out. No, because like having like handling the gun all the time, like That's it's insane. so it's so normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like we hurt our hands and stuff, but you can put like tape on and stuff and everything, but it. No, I mean, at a big match, um, no, I won't. That's generally, pre- it's pretty light for what's normal on like the amount of gun handling there is. Um, I think I got a little, uh, <laughs> at nationals, I don't have like one of those Lula loaders that people have. Apparently you're supposed to have one of those. I don't know, but my thumb was definitely getting tired and a little sore. <laughs> um, 
Because I'm like, I've never really loaded this much ammo in such a short amount of time. This is crazy. <laughs> That's kind of my bad. I need to get a Lula loader or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't need to get one. Just uh, whenever Bradley's not paying attention next year, just take it out of his bag. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. you can borrow mine next year. But don't give it back to him. Um. So speaking of nationals, so uh, yeah, I mean, so did you shoot? What other matches did you shoot last year? I shot... Um, North Carolina, uh, they have a Carolina Classic there. Um, so I flew out, flew over there, and then we shot Area 7 uh, up here. And that's it. So, wow, three matches? I'm going to guess two for you, being that your local, you know, your local clubs aren't real close. You're probably about to fly the most majors, don't you? Yeah, Area 7 we drove to because it's in New Hampshire. Um, How far was it? It was like it was only like six hours, uh, six or seven um, from where we are. So it's not not too bad, but almost flying is like the same amount of travel time. So it's yeah. like, yeah. The the reason I asked that way is like for all three of us living in you know essentially the middle of the country. If you put a six hour driving circle, I mean, there's probably what do you guys think? Probably ten majors. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, within that distance. I mean, you put you put a six hour circle. There's you'll, you'll inevitably have a couple of majors that fall on the same weekend. Yeah, that's that's yeah. crazy. So, uh, but back to nationals. So, I mean, you showed up to nationals, and you know, what did you have to do to manually get yourself in the right um, mindset to shoot nationals? I mean, did you just accept it? I mean, just can you tell us a little bit about that process? What you had to do? Did you do anything, or did you just show up and say, "Hey, I'm just here"? And or how'd that go? So I haven't been physically to, to nationals before. And so this was the first, the first time going. Um, and I definitely spent, spent a, a lot of time. Um, and this is like, this is Lanny, Lanny Basham stuff. This is mental management yeah. stuff. Um, uh, and he uses the, it's, it's mental rehearsal or is that, I think that's the words he uses visualization. Yeah. Um, but he's used rehearsal, like mental rehearsal, because of the visualization is meaning pretty much only things that you see. And rehearsal is adding in more layers to that. And so something that, that I really enjoy doing is watching other people's match video. And if it's first person, it's great. And then I'll memorize their match and add my own, add my own sequences, sequences in for activator stuff uh and then i can put that match wherever and ideally so like i've gone there's plenty of videos in Frostproof of of people shooting that match um and i'll memorize a match maybe it's a nationals or maybe it's maybe it's a state match or something like that and i'll put myself in the position that it is nationals and go through so i already have all the stages memorized um and i'll and i'll shoot the match and then it became really normal for me to be there before i was there um, and this is stuff that, I mean, I think Travis Tomasi put it really well in the last time you guys had him on and he, he hasn't been on a lot of podcasts. Like this is the first time he's been talking to people, at least from what I've found. He, he talked a lot about, it was like execution or, or performance visualization and then outcome visualization and rehearsing what it would be like to, to win or any, or, or something like that. And Travis talked about it for, for worlds. Um, that he won. Um, and 
Uh, he said some fancy words that mean things that are really important. Um, and so, <laughs> but I can't remember them. I wrote them down a little bit, but there's so much in relation to that. And if, if I can't, if, if somebody can't get experience firsthand, then they can either take it from other people or create it. Yeah. And that's so huge. And, and that, that absolutely, it helped me to be comfortable there so I can, so I could shoot. Yeah. I mean, I read the, with winning in mind and, you know, and if someone hasn't read it, there's parts of the book where Lanny Basham's talking about, he was a gold medalist, uh, world champion, uh, long range, long range rifle shooter. And he said, you know, uh, he got, he was in the army and he got stationed somewhere and he had a year and a half where it was between then and the next world shoot. And he couldn't, he had three days at the range and he had to visualize, visualize it the remaining of the, the rest of the time. And so he just visualized, you know, every single thing is, is in detail as he could, you know, yeah. the, the smell of the range, you know, the sound of the bolt opening, the, you know, uh, the feeling of the round, pushing the round down into the magazine, closing the bolt, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, I remember Travis talking about some of that. I'm gonna have to, I was talking to Jared and I were talking to Joel, um, or about an hour ago and he was talking about how he listened to the Travis episode again and really, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go back and listen to that one again, probably tomorrow. So good. Yeah, it was a really good episode. I mean, that's it's really been one of the cool things is we've had so many good shooters on here and, and to hear them all talk. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome, dude, the visualization and kind of putting yourself there. And that way, when you first get out there, it, it wasn't really your first time. You'd already kind of visualized, you know, the, stre- the things that might stress you out a little bit. So you weren't, you know, feeling that stress for the first time, essentially. Yeah. Which is the same thing as your walkthrough. I mean, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in visualization, there's no limit. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Um, you can have conversations with people. Um, you can have people in the background say stuff about you. Um, and you can program how you're going to respond to that. Um, if someone says after a run, uh, <laughs> like, hey, what, what the heck happened over here? Like, you just threw two mics on something right there. Or if they say, dang, that was a really good run. Like, you might win this thing. Um, what, what's your response to that? Um, and you can set it ahead of time. Yeah. I, it's so exciting because when you're, when you're talking about that stuff, like with Lanny visualizing or, or rehearsing what it's like to load rounds in the magazine or, or, put, you know, put the bolt forward. Um, I mean, you get goosebumps thinking about it because it, it becomes real and, and you can do that with, with anything. And it's, ah, oh, man, it's so cool. Um, and it's so powerful. It, it is really neat. I've I've read other books where and talked to other people and other businesses and and I mean you'd be surprised on how many people utilize that technique. I mean, uh, soldiers they use you know they they visualize hey you're going into this and you're going to have this situation and they sit there and visualize it and they try to put themselves through it because um it, it your brain it still counts as a as a rep almost in some ways on certain things if you visualize yourself drawing the gun and getting a sight picture on a target. Uh, that's still, it's, it's, it's the next best thing than actually out there doing it. You can feel it. And, and if, and if we were listening to what you were just saying, I'm like, I'm sure Jeff and Jared, you, you pictured that and maybe you felt yeah. it. And, and as I'm saying it now, we can feel what it is, what it's like to get a good grip and what it's like to see, to see a, a picture, um, a see a sight picture. And we know, we know what that's like. Um, and that comes back into training as well, where if we do something that we like 
and we want to replicate it, then we can do that off the range, not even in dry fire, we can do it. Um, the build drill thing is a cool example because like I, I've, I've spent a lot of time shooting build drills as like just a pure shooting thing. And you get a, a really nice build drill and you've got the time down, you got whatever you wanted for, for points there and um, you can recall it. And then you can go back and in dry fire, you can replicate it and you can re replicate that grip or what, where you were with your, your weight forward or how, how you were balanced. Um, kind of the pressure there. The, the only thing you're not getting is the recoil, but you've already seen that and you can see it again in rehearsal in, in mental rehearsal. You can see that recoil. Mm. I don't know. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> really exciting about that. I mean, that stuff's awesome. No, oh, dude, that that's awesome. I don't think, uh, I mean, I haven't heard anybody talk to it to that extent, the extent that you, you do mental rehearsal and dig into it mentally. That's, uh, but I do think there's a lot to that, like you're saying, um, as I've, I've had people ask me too, like, how do you get decent not shooting as much? And, you know, I've definitely not dug into it as much as you have, and I've not even read those books, but some of my responses have been, well, I mean... I sit in an office all day and I think about shooting a lot. So, yeah. Uh, you can't turn it off. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't turn it so, off. So it's like, it's, it's subconsciously you're doing something and it's working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, on a lighter note, the one thing I did not rehearse for at Nationals was seeing Jared Sasquatch. I saw you there. And, and, and you're starstruck. His, well, <laughs> I, Thinking about it now, like if I saw, okay, I, Jason, I was like, I, if I see Jason there, I'm going to go up and say hi to him. So I, I did. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you weren't there, but I would have said hi to you. <laughs> okay. I was not ready for the size. <laughs> and this was like a bay away. And I was like, I can't even, I can't, I can't go. I, if I say something wrong, I might get squashed. I, <laughs> I mean, so I apologize for that. I really wish they'd come say hi to you. But I mean, like, I, I wasn't You're ready for that. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't think he was going to be that tall. He's not even that tall. I mean, how tall are you, Jared? Six four. Yeah, that's not that tall. Jay, you're what five ten, five eleven? I'm like five. Yeah, five nine. Five nine. Okay, I thought you were. Yeah, that's not that tall. I don't know. It must have been like the hype of everybody saying like the size of, yeah. of Jared. Your hands. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I was just. I was too scared. So. Wow. I don't know. Well, Jared is mean. He really is a mean person. So. Yeah. The hand size thing is is legit. Like, see, this is a it's a pint glass. Yeah, yeah. You should you should you should, old, you should see him mugs. hold a coffee mug. It just kind of disappears. <laughs> I can I can understand being a little frightened seeing him on the range, though. I mean, it's it's a little scary seeing those those big old hands dragging the ground. <laughs> dragging the ground. I mean, <laughs> first time I ever met Jared, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was a grandmaster or nothing like that. He just starts talking, and I'm like, "Who's this idiot?" <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was like like oklahoma section and he starts i was talking to i guess a mutual friend and he says something and i'm like who's that guy and i just walked off and then i realized and they told me who he was and then i, I think he i don't know if he won but he was first or second and then in the next match i think where i actually met him he he beat me pretty bad and, and that's and i was like hey, he's actually a cool dude so he's now he's gonna say it go ahead and say it jared i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember his meeting at like oklahoma but i remember the next match was uh arkansas it's arkansas and yeah. we, we were sitting down talking waiting for awards and i actually thought you beat me because i shot pretty poorly oh i knew i didn't beat you 
But even even a mutual better. friend said, yeah, a mutual friend said, hey, Bradley, how good you shoot? And I said, not good. Yeah. yeah but e- even better is Jeff was shooting single stack at that match and beat and both of us. Beat both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we were shooting limited. We were shooting limited, dude. That's how bad we shot that match. And, and, wait, and wait, who? So Jeff beat both of you guys. With a single stack gun. With yeah, a single yeah. stack. Yeah. And, well, I mean, it's not the first time you've done beating everybody with a single stack anyway. So, I mean. No, it's not. But dang. It feels yeah. pretty good. feels pretty good. Well, <laughs> it's amazing. Bastard. No, it's a pride check. At that time, it didn't really hurt my pride because I knew I went out there and was horrible. So. Yeah. Um, what was that? That was like 2017 or something? Yeah, I, I something think like it was 2017. I shot. Yeah. I, I did win a single stage. Like, I, it was. I think it was 2018. It was, a, it was not a good match. Yeah, that's right. Me. You you won limited, right? And you didn't win yeah. a single stage. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, what'd you think of nationals? Jay being your first one, did you like it? Yeah. I. Um. What's the What's the whole thing like? Oh yeah, it was a good match, fun stage, right. very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do listen. <laughs> you do listen. Yeah. I don't know why, but you do. That's my response. No. Um. I. The cool thing about that match was the the amount of moving targets. Was there over twenty? There's a lot. Oh yeah. There was a lot. Um, so that was pretty cool to see because we don't see that a lot locally, um, just because stuff is a pain to set up and and so that was really cool to see and it was really like it adds another layer of of challenge to what what you decide to do between activating. Um, that was that was awesome, and so I'm really happy about that experience. Um, I mean, other than that, like it was a it was a match. I mean, it was kind of hot and humid. I'm not used to that. Um, man, I I don't know. I had a good time. I mean, like we, we you go out and shoot for three days in a row, and I mean, there's not a lot that's more fun than that. Yeah, yeah. That was not hot and humid, by the way. That was not even close to hot and humid. Not even close. Not even close to being hot and humid. That weather was super pleasant. That weather was actually very pleasant. Um, I've heard people say that, and I'm like, you don't even, you don't know. Like, and we, and Jared and I think we know, right? Because we get, it gets hot where we're at in the summer, but even going back there to Florida in the summer is, is even more brutal than where we're at, but still. No. Nothing's hot worse than that area during the summertime, in my mind. I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma sectional in 2019. That might be worse, yeah. And then we, and then and then we shot Great Plains the next day, and it was over a hundred degrees there. Yeah. Then the following week was Ipsic Nationals in Florida, over a oh, hundred wow. degrees. And then the next week <laughs> after that was Free State. God. It was still over a hundred degrees. It was so, terrible. Jared's wow. telling us that he had to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow barefoot. <laughs> That's what Jared just did. No, it was more like it was more like the lava with the sunshine. Nice. Uh, okay, I mean you're right. It was only like eighty five, the hottest it got, right? I don't know, bro, but it wasn't hot. Okay, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> anyway, it so I guess that was good for them being my first experience with uh, Florida, you know, air quotes heat. Um, so <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's probably it's it's definitely not the best match in the world <laughs> for sure. But I mean, I guess you got to go and shoot it. So yeah. So what are what are summers in in Maine like? I mean, it's definitely not like that in Florida. <laughs> it's like that wasn't the summertime. That was when was that October? Like October. Yeah. So that was okay. Yeah, yeah. summers so, in Maine are like eighty. I mean, sometimes we get 
fair, but it's not. He's like, sometimes the sun comes out <laughs> and yeah. it's sunny. Yeah. It's like 65 degrees. <laughs> I just, I have this memory. I did a, a work training uh, one year with a guy from Maine and the work training was in Colorado. So we all like flew to Colorado and we did this work training and I hung out with this guy from Maine for basically the whole time. And like we went and ate and we got drinks and they were in the car and we went and did something else and came back and, you know, the ice and these drinks was all melted and everything. And I just remember him being like, man, this ice would still be here if we were in Maine. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, that water damn near be boiling if we were in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't get that. It doesn't get that crazy. Uh, it's not. It's pretty mild. You know, it's good. Okay, so let's 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 talk about the important stuff now. Um, you shoot like the worst gun possible, right? Yep. You got. Yeah, everybody tells you you shoot the worst gun there is. Um, if you don't follow Jay on Instagram, you should. Jay's got wicked fat. Y'all say wicked fast up there. They say that. I don't say it. <laughs> I think he says it. You guys, you shoot wicked fast. Um, Jay's got wicked fast reloads. He uh, r- wicked fast gun handling skills. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it, it's funny because you watch it and you know Jay's. Jay, are you a GM? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And uh, you know, you watch him and he shoots and you're like, <laughs> but Jay's the real deal. You know, I mean, so it's not just the Instagram. But uh, so Jay, why do you shoot the? Uh, you shoot a Glock, right? Yeah. Hey, real quick, didn't you try the, was that Travis Tomasi's, um, no, nothing but net reload. And then you showed the bot, you showed the bottom of your, your gun and it looked horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Okay. So I, I tried the thing with the tape, um, and Travis, that's really difficult. If Travis is listening, it's really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So I tried putting tape on and then so my there's no bevel to my magazine magwell anymore. It's just like, it's just the area that the magazine goes into. Right. So if I put tape on the magazine would just like, it would stick in the gun. It wouldn't, it wouldn't. So I, I, I abandoned the tape idea, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's tough. I never, never tried anything like that where you're, where you're doing a set of 25 reloads and you can't, you can't hit the edge of the magwell. Um, mm. Obviously, I've hit the edge of the magwell plenty of times. Right, yeah. there yeah. is no magwell left. It's just like a gnarled up piece of. Yeah, I think so. Travis is like, uh, I think that was bogus, man. Travis uses that big funnel magwell. He doesn't. What is he talking about? And then he picked up a Glock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what? What made you choose the Glock? So I started shooting a Glock. I mean, I got it for to carry. Um, yeah. and then I started competing with it from, for, with carry gear, um, and shot like my first pretty much year of USPSA from concealment like that. You were that guy. Okay. I was yeah. that guy and it was for Instagram. I mean, per, it was only for Instagram. Um, cause that's what you have to do. Uh, right. but I just didn't want to make a change. I mean, I had the, I had the guns. I, you know, I, I'm used to them. Um, and I just kept with him. You, it's almost like if the gun's reliable, it's not that important. That's right. It's almost that way. It's almost that way. Not quite. As long as you get the, as as you get the uh, right 
uh, recoil spring weight. It's, it's yeah, irrelevant. Speaking of which, what weight recoil spring do you use? Well, it's he's going to say factory. You no, <laughs> it's factory. We were talking about it earlier, but you have to stretch out like a yep. lighter one. So you get yep. some like 1911 spring, you stretch it, yeah. and then nice. like cut it, yep. and then kind of fit it in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what you're you're, ba- you're you- basically making it a variable spring weight. And you got to yeah. figure out what what it is, what did you want it. So you buy the fourteen pound, you stretch it out, and then you cut off three coils or three three and a half, and it's now it's variable weight. Well, and it's that, not variable. It's not variable weight. It's variable if it works or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, okay. Secret sauce, right there. I hope somebody Secret does sauce. that. Ah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much information out there. I, I don't even feel like I should say anything. Yeah, well, and once you stretch it. You got to preheat the oven to 400 degrees, put it in there for exactly two minutes and 15 seconds to retemper yeah, it. Yeah, it's retempered. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Tungsten guide rods, you have to have that, obviously. Um, obviously. All that stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then the, the 147 bullet weight, you got to use that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Guys, y'all got anything else? <laughs> well, the most important question of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Is natural talent a thing? Hold on a second. Before you answer that, Jay, how long have you been shooting USPSA? Um, I shot my first match, my first USPSA match in, um, in the fall of 2017. And that was from concealment with my carry gear. And then... Were you shooting... Like IDPA before that or something? Because no, you said it. Okay. I, I shot one outlaw match um, that was like USB action pistol. And I thought, so I went, it was like in the spring of, it was like the year before. So like I went and shot that one match and I thought it was something they only did once a year. I didn't realize they did every month. So I shot that one match and I'm like, hey, well, I guess it's got to be a whole nother year before I come back and do this. Um, and so... <laughs> And then I was like, oh, dang. I mean, then nobody told me there was another one the next month. So anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah, my first match was in fall of 2017, um, USPSA match. And I drove, drove three hours with my brother to it. Um, it was pretty fun. Three hours away because it, it was the next one to, to do. Um, and that really, like, it was after I shot that match. I mean, I already kind of decided before I even shot the match that I was like, I'm going to be a grandmaster. I'm gonna, I want to take this as far as I can go before shooting a match um and then after i shot that match i was like oh yeah this is this is what we're doing um and i actually i think part of that was i mean at this match there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of heat there necessarily at the time um everybody's getting a lot better now here but um i ended up winning it too uh, overall which was cool and so that was even another like well heck yeah we're doing this like let's okay. keep going um, and I, I think other people have had that same experience. I, I think Bob Vogel like won the first match he ever shot. Um, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this to, to brag, but I'm saying it, it's like, it makes you super excited if you, if yeah. you, if you go out and you like do decent, I mean, yeah, there's like a B class guy there that you beat, but still like still, no, I won the first match I ever shot. So yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I bet it was three years in before I won a match. Now this was a, this was a monthly match. I mean, this wasn't a. The one, the one for me, but yeah, I just went out there and said, you know, I actually go, I actually told myself, Hey, these guys are really good. They're going to beat you. So don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> yeah. just focus on, just focus on when the dot or the sight. I was using a shooting a iron sights. This when the sights where it needs to be, pull the trigger 
And that's what I yeah. did. That's all. That was my focus for the entire match. It's the only thing I worried about. Yep. And it worked out really well. And I still, I mean, hurt feelings, bro. Hurt feelings. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I won an outdoor local until 2017. I don't think I won any in 16. I mean, I won some indoor ones, but I think I won an outdoor local in 17 was the first time. Yeah. This was in 17 for me as well. I think I've no. only ever won one and it was in like 2017. <laughs> Yeah. It is really hard to beat a reasonably okay open shooter if you're not shooting an open gun. Yeah. I mean the only the only club matches I shoot now have what like six so usually sixty or fifty or sixty to a hundred shooters. And I'm there, so Yeah, and and Jason's there. Yeah, I haven't won I have not won a I've won one club match, I think. Oh I haven't won one since I quit shooting carry optics. Yeah, I mean, okay. when you're shooting the production gun in uh, it's hard to do single stack. It's it, it's it's a lot harder. Yeah, especially like you were saying, Jeremy. Like if someone shows up who's who's pretty decent with open, like or yep. carry options. I mean, you you don't they don't need well, to be yeah. that decent if their gun runs the entire match. Oh yeah, <laughs> I probably I probably hurt some feelings right there. <laughs> probably gonna get some hate. Gonna get some hate mail. We do have a lot of good local shooters too shooting high cap divisions. I mean, there's there's several guys that have gotten quite a bit better at like limited you know there's several master class open guys uh match shoot and carry optics now it's it's tough to win locals well i mean we don't look at overall results anyway right we you just right. go to your division it depends it depends yeah if absolutely yeah if you're shooting a uh a, a, you know you're not shooting open or pcc and you win it I think it's a yeah. Then we're then we're worried yeah, about then you're uh, looking, overall. Yeah. <laughs> if that PCC GM shows up and beats you, then you're like, oh, it's not it's not overall, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so um, okay, now now that now Jared asking the question. Okay, so is natural talent a thing? I so I like because I've listened to all you guys' podcasts. Um, so you've been thinking about this moment. You've been preparing for this moment. You visualize this moment. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, a little bit. But no, I'm not. I don't think. I don't think I have the answer. I'm just like gone back and forth so many times with like somebody bringing up a point and being like, "Oh, okay," and then somebody else brings up the other side. I'm like, "Well, yeah." Um, so, <laughs> uh, what did what did Nils say the last time he was on? He compared Michael Jordan to. Uh, Tiger Woods and like swapping their position like would yeah Michael Jordan be as good as Tiger Woods or would Tiger Woods be as good as Michael Jordan if if they swapped everything um and I I guess you can't really argue too much with that um and so these guys can these guys can like maybe maybe you could maybe I mean I'm not gonna say I don't think there's a hundred percent that you like you could switch that and 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 that might work out um yeah i think that that there's like certain physical stuff i'm not talking about shooting but like in other sports there's certain physical things that that translate over right they have to a little bit is that natural though is that talent though (laughs) being six foot four to five foot six is that talent that's the thing that's not talent oh my god so that would be something that you are born with right right and born with is not natural talent, right? Okay, I don't, okay. I don't know, but I, I, I don't, I don't see it that way. We've talked so much this, this in circles so much. <laughs> I don't even know where I stand on it anymore. <laughs> I know. So, and I don't, I don't really either. What I do think is that 
I just disagree with Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Jeremy anyway? <laughs> ah, who knows? He's an asshole. <laughs> he, he's somewhere being an asshole to somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody's walking down the street. And he's like, hey, get out of here. Hey, jerk off. <laughs> I kind of here's here's where I think I fall on it and this is just like happening right now or so I don't know but I think that there are there there if there's anything natural it's into, it's 100% unseen. Um so nobody's going to see it from the outside and nobody's going to be able to necessarily determine if that person has it naturally. Um so maybe an example of that would be like just really laser focused on one thing. Um, and not letting other things distract and maybe, and that's definitely a fault to certain, to a certain degree. Um, and that can hurt people around you. Uh, maybe that's something that that's genetic that's, that's in, in line. Uh, but as far as like other things, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of tend to like, if somebody says to me or, or other people like, oh, that person was born with it. Um, it pisses me off. <laughs> and so I don't know what, I don't know what that means. It means you don't believe it's a thing. I guess that's what, I guess that's what, but it makes me mad. It, it, it's okay just to say Jeff and Jeremy are wrong. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Well, I even not. forgot, I forgot who was on which side of it. So I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're wrong. Whatever. It's yeah. <laughs> a good answer. It's a good answer. I don't know. It just irritates me. That's all. But not. I don't know. Like, again, I could be swung the other way really easily, too. So I think it's fun to talk about, but it's probably exactly. probably not useful to talk about, but it's fun. It's really not useful to talk about it because we waste a lot of time talking I, about it. I'll tell you um, what would really piss Jeremy off. And that would be how how Jay is like, yeah, it could be or it couldn't be. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Right? Hey, that's going to make you mad, right? Jay's like, the, Jeremy be like, pick a side. <laughs> the only thing that doesn't piss that guy off is bourbon. <laughs> Man. Well, that's where I'm going to land on it then. I don't know. <laughs> I like that answer, actually. I do, too. In the end, nobody really knows. I mean, I know. I, I know, but, yeah. yeah. Trying to convince these, trying to convince these yahoos. But, I mean, if somebody, like tells Rob Latham that or or whatever like and really like geez Rob you're just born with it he might get irritated he might get mad I don't he might not but he he might get a little mad I really think anyone that is at that level um any champion in any sport if you said that to them they're gonna be like you're an idiot get out of here yeah like oh yeah but that's where these guys go we're not saying that they come out because we had an episode of early ones and it was called We're All the Same When It Come Out to Shoot. <laughs> Do you remember that one, Jeff? We're All the oh, Same yeah. When We Come Out to Shoot. And yeah. um, I, I, these guys would go, well, we're not saying that like, they're just going to, without practice, grow up and be like national champions. And Listen and, to his, his mocking voice. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. We're not, uh, just, we're not saying that. Ooh, you know. But yeah, I don't think anybody that's... Um, at the top of anything is going to think anything was natural. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't it's know. Hard. I mean, it was a little tough to to kind of get Nils like what his read was on it with with himself. Like, I wasn't sure if Nils thought that he himself had something that helped with it. I 
I couldn't. I don't know. I mean, I would have to. I'd have to re-listen to that or ask him. Yeah, I don't. I, but is it important enough to ask somebody? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted to quit asking the question, but it, yeah, because get your enough. guests keep on bringing it up. Yeah, it's important enough to ask every person. Okay, Jason. All right. Yeah. Because some guys just, they don't even believe in it. They're just, whatever. <laughs> Tell you sound, dude. <laughs> Are you going to do a whole podcast with that voice? That'd be real. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't, I'm not saying they just come out of the shoot. I mean, you could have. Jared, so good. you couldn't tell who that was. You thought that was Jeff and Jeremy talking, I, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it was both of them talking at the same time, discussing <laughs> discussing their antique firearms and eight-round oh. bags. Oh hey, my God. you know, two world wars. Uh, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's probably a that's probably a good, uh, good time to end it. That was good. Awesome. Hold on. Jay, where can people find you on Instagram? What's your uh, Instagram name? That's not important. We don't we don't do everything just for Instagram. Well, some people <laughs> might be curious to check you out. Um if if you just search Jay Beal, it'll pop up. Um, I think it's Jay Clay ninety four or something like that. We need to have a we need to talk here on the next episode about how uh, Instagram's ruining the sport. Yeah, that'd be a good episode. Or it's ruining practical shooting. Yeah. Um, Jay, what were you going to ask? You had a question. So I have a question, and then and then um, and then I have a compliment for for everybody. But um, we're going to I'm do the question first, and and don't spend a whole bunch of time. I don't know how long we've been going, but um. I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to transition the gun a little better. And I'm curious from like each one of you guys, cause I'm wa- watching your videos, um, like paying attention to this stuff. Like you guys transition, like Jared, you, you too. I'm not leaving you out on this. Because, <laughs> like, you're freaking, you're freaking good. That's what I'm saying. Um, like what, if you had to break it down or explain to somebody, um, particular to me because I'm being selfish right now. Um, so not if you're explaining, explaining generally, like it doesn't have to make some make sense to anybody else, yeah. but like if you're going to break down and explain transitioning the gun from target to target, particularly on maybe a wider transition, not some, not targets that are just stacked right next to each other. What does that sound like to you guys? Or what is it? If you're going to put it in words, which again is really difficult. Uh, what, what is, what is that? <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm going to assume by sound, you don't mean like make a pew-pew sound, but... No, we want to uh, hear it. Words, words, like fancy words. No, no, no fancy words, but like, if you're going to explain that to, to me, um, and I'm just purely selfishly trying to figure some stuff out. Personally, transitions are something that I'm still always working on. And I think when you're talking about training them, the probably the two or three things that I'm going to find if I'm having issues with them are going to be the first things is one shooting like the exact same drills over and over and over because the targets are always, you know, they're the exact same distance. I don't find a lot of value in that if I'm trying to work on them. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, is not getting tense and trying to force the gun too hard. Cause once you get tense, you can't, you can't move as fast. You can't stop as fast. And just making sure your eyes are leading the process. I mean, it it really is as simple, but as complicated as that. Yeah, I like it. I disagree with everything Jared just said. All right. Um, I say do the same drill over again yeah. and tense up because you well, know, no, 
<laughs> no, I agree with all that stuff he said. Um, I would say something I picked up. I think Charlie Perez is the kind of the one that told said it to me where it actually stuck was is you know um, try to get your feet uh, uh, outside the targets. Mm. Try to keep uh, that's going to help you because if you like if your left foot is I think somebody else calls it the zone of influence or I don't know what they call that it. That sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you if you were to draw an imaginary line from the toes uh, and they went out to infinity, uh, would the targets that you're engaging be inside that? So imagine that that's going to be more stable than if one target was outside. Then you're going to have like an awkward kind of transition to it. Uh, so there's that. What Jared said. Um, Picking in a specific spot instead of just looking at brown. Um, I'll think of probably a few other things, but it's like Jared said, it's that easy, but it's that complicated. And, and it's like anything else, man. If somebody was saying, hey, Jay, um, I, I line the sights up on the on the exact spot I want to hit, but the bullet never ends up there. And you're like, well, you're doing something from the time you line the sight up to the time the bullet leaves that's affecting that. So it's really one of them deals where you're just going to have to get out there. And, and 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 suffer through it, and that may be something that y- y- your ammo limitations is 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 not helping. I I might have to expend some ammo yes. on learning. Yes. yes. So I I would say yes on the expanding ammo because also I don't know if you generally paste after each run, but when you're working on something like that, running three, four, five times on the same set of targets, and then look look at what the target's telling you. Mm. Because you might you might have just stopped short on one of those runs, but if you shoot it several times and you're always shooting the same spot, you might find that you're you're shooting as soon as you're seeing Brown, you're shooting a Charlie or something, and then you're dragging the gun on into the A zone and it, and it coming off the target. You know, say a three target array, the center target, you're shooting a, a Alpha Charlie, but really you're shooting a Charlie continuing to drag the gun, shoot an alpha, and then dragging off, where if you shot it three times, what you might find is, oh, I shot a Charlie Delta, then I shot an alpha Delta, or so on and so forth. Um, okay, I like that a lot. And this is, before, Jeff, before you go, maybe we should, I mean, you guys already plugged it about a lot, but like, there's the new book that Joel and Ben put out, right? I bet this, I bet this stuff is in there. Well, if, it, yeah, I mean, it's in there, but it's also in some of the other ones, too. So like, yeah, no, um, all this stuff yeah. is, it's in the books. Yeah. yeah. Joel has a good video from the uh, Practical Shooting Training Group Summit. I think it's on either his Instagram or his YouTube that's available to find on a transition drill. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen it. No, there's, there's good stuff out there. I'm just, I'm just, sometimes you hear something or you read something. Um, and so I'm looking to, I'm, I'm, I'm being entirely selfish and, and um, you're trying to, trying to find a Eureka moment. Yeah. So what do you got, Jeff? Better be good. Okay. So your question was specifically on wide transitions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wider, wider transitions. Oh, I want to add one more thing. I want to add one more thing. I want to be selfish. Uh, Sorry, Jeff. I want to interrupt him. (laughs) Uh, On wider transitions. Well, I can't give this away. I feel like this is a technique that somebody actually. Yeah. I can't give that away for free. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Jeez. Yeah, I feel like it's in books. Just and like to, yeah. interrupt just, me just to tease. Hey, we'll cut that out. We're not. We're not cutting that out. Okay, I got some. De- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all right, I got I, this other thing I want to talk about. Just like shut up, shut up, Jason. <laughs> Calm down, Jeff. All right, so I'm just gonna describe like 
my setup for a wide transition. And right. hopefully it's what you're looking for. I, who knows? Go yeah, for who it. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, so I do incorporate what uh what Jason was talking about. Feet toes, toes outside the target. You learn this a lot in shooting uh steel challenge, right? Where you're you're ripping wide transitions as fast as you can. So and you don't have to move. So you can like get your perfect stance before you ever pull the gun up and you don't have to move. So that's that's uh that's one way that I learned that. Um and then from there on a wide transition, for me, it's going to be, you know, first you want to snap your eyes and kind of simultaneously, I'm ripping the gun off the target. Like, uh, it's, it's not a slow thing for me to get off the target. So I'm ripping the gun off the target and then probably about th- three quarters of the way to the target, I'm kind of transitioning into a slow, into a short transition. So it's like I'm ripping off and then once the gun's three quarters of the way there, I'm kind of transitioning into that that short, just let the gun drift onto the target, short transition mode. Uh, that it, That's my wide transition technique. I haven't heard the words um, rip the gun off the target before. Yeah. So I, that's really cool. It's yeah. almost like... I disagree with it. It's almost like... it's almost like jeff is talking about moving the gun just like you're moving a stage start out aggressively Mm. and slow down before you get there rip rip but the word rip it it creates a feeling jeff i don't know i'm gonna have to give you the the winner on this one all the it was all good but dude that's (laughs) what i was gonna say but I was like, no, uh, I'm not gonna. That 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 was what I was gonna actually say. The secret. I know. So, but so I was what like, he was gonna do? He was gonna interrupt me to steal what I was gonna <laughs> I was. say. I really was. <laughs> uh, Jason, you could have you could have won this one. I don't. I'm not worried about it. But that's really what I was gonna say. But I did feel. I do feel like that was maybe a little bit more. I don't want to say proprietary, but yeah. I I like it. No, thanks, guys. Um, I learned something today. No, I mean it was. That's really that's really helpful. And um, the other, I we won't stay much longer, but I wanted to say for you guys, like, because listening to the podcast um, and hearing you guys' experience with well, 2019 nationals, um, and and specifically talk talking about Jason, you you and and Jeff, um, and to hear you guys go through all the way from that nationals. And, and hearing you guys on the podcast talk about like mentally what you're going to change or what you're going to do or what like what your approach is. Um, and Jared, you two talk talking about this and bring it like just built up. And then you have single stack nationals in L10 um, and and Jeff, like what I'm saying is I was like total fan, like. I'm refreshing scores like like everybody does that that yep. pays attention to the sport. But I was like, yes. Yeah. And then I was not refreshing scores for carry optics. But at the end of the match, when people were telling, you know, going around telling me what the scores were, um, I, I pulled them up then and I was like, yes, Jason. And I went and went and found you. But um, <laughs> uh it's really awesome to um, for you for you guys to be documenting this experience and and sharing little bits along the way whether whether they're the secrets or not um 
sharing that stuff along the way is really cool. Um, I know, I know a lot of people get value out of it, out of, out of all of it. Um, I, I definitely have, but also like, I'm, uh, like I'm a fan of the sport. And so I like to see it's, it's like a, these podcasts are like a, like a pregame show or whatever they do. You know I mean? It's cool. It's cool to hear. I mean, we, we all think the same thing about the other podcast and that's kind of why we started doing it. We just wanted to talk about it. And yeah. Except, except for Joel's new podcast. We don't like that guy. We, we don't like, we don't it. like it. You don't listen to that one. Okay. Don't listen to it. Um, but, but then, but then Jared, um, too, I'm also like really bummed that I didn't come and say hi to you because I've been following you for a while. You and Matt Hopkins and, and all this, all these guys, but, um, see, there you go. There is, there's the guy to follow us, Matt. Don't worry OG. about us. Matt's, Matt's the cool guy. Matt especially likes it if you go through and like every single picture <laughs> he's ever posted on his Instagram when you're riding with him in the car on the way somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, I, I'm really sorry because I got to bring up something with, with Matt um, that helped me and that was like confirmation because I've mess- messaged with Matt just a, a little bit um, and obviously like listen to Matt because we hear Matt Matt's voice all the time, even though it's quiet, we hear it. Um, yeah. and we turn it up yeah. when he's exactly. talking because we know it's something important is about to happen. Um, it's worth turning up, right? It's worth turning up. And he, uh, he talked about really briefly a revisualization of a stage that you just shot. Um, once you're done shooting that stage, you, you shoot it again. That was, I think I remember that. That was a while back though, wasn't it? It was a while back. Um, and that's something that, that Lanny, that Lanny Basham teaches and, and Matt's taken courses with him. Um, mm. and it's something that I've been doing and, and you get to fix whatever you wanted to fix during that stage right after it. you get to, you get to apply the correction that you wanted to apply as if you actually did it. And again, like back to what our minds don't know the difference. Um, yeah. we get to fix it now right after that stage and then we get to go to the next one and that's something that like i think it's probably the most i don't i don't think we can say most important but it's super important um at least for me it has been because i can go on to the next stage and and so i want to say thank you to matt and um and laney basham obviously but that's huge so cool jared you're awesome that's what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well cool See, i yeah. told you guys yeah <laughs> one person thinks you're cool dude take it easy well that's cool man we're glad you uh we're glad you like the show um you know we don't none of us believe it or not there's some people out there that maybe think we do but none of us take this very seriously it, meaning we don't think we're a big deal so um but we do like that you got something valuable out of out of the uh, the show Maybe we got to quit talking about it. That's not what we were supposed to do. We weren't trying to help people. You weren't trying to help people. Darn it. Well, you can edit that out um, where, <laughs> where we say that this show is useful. Yeah. Because you don't want people. I mean, like, I don't want people trying to get information from this show. So, dang it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, do you guys got anything for Jay? No. I mean, that was awesome, man. I feel like yeah. uh, you have a really, a lot of really great perspectives that people haven't heard before and to the people that think you don't have to work as much to be good um like hearing you hear hearing you say like how much you work at this 
but not necessarily shoot a ton uh, is motivating. It's motivating to me because yeah. it's like, well, well, I could I could put the mental game that, that Jay's putting in plus the rounds that I have and I could be better than Jay. Uh, well, nobody can. Nobody could beat you, Jeff. It'd be unbeatable. <laughs> That's right. It could be unbeatable. And I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about when you were talking about visualizing about the whole Nationals match. And I was like, how do you do it? Will you just like sit in a room with your eyes closed for like two hours or something and shoot a match? No, it's, <laughs> man, they, we can go really far on that, but we have to edit it out for, for secrets reasons. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is, is does, what does your wife think about all this is what I want to know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you're in there. No. You're in there chanting. You're in a room, you know, with pitch dark and got candles lit, and you're in there chanting. And your wife's like, "You're like, I'm practicing, hun." Uh, she's probably <laughs> an idiot. Yeah, I'm busy. She's like, "Why can't you?" Never mind. I'm, I was going to say something. <laughs> let's no. just let's just end it. <laughs> no, but I do. I'm really thanks for coming on, man. That was yeah. Uh, you have some really interesting, uh, really awesome stuff to say. I think people are going to enjoy hearing it. And I think a lot of people are going to be really surprised at the mental effort that you put into this. So it was awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. We appreciate you joining us. And we're going to pinch it off right now. Stop recording, damn it.